Dear friends in Christ, there was a story that I heard recently about a, a little girl that had been born blind. And the only thing she knew about the beauty of this earth was what her mother told her about. Her mother had told her about how beautiful the flowers were in the spring and the, and the trees in the fall and the snow in the winter and, and so on. But at age 10, she was able to go through an experimental surgery, and for several weeks she had bandages over her eyes and so on, and then came the moment of truth, the day that the doctor took off the bandages. To everybody's amazement and joy, she was able to see once again. Well, she ran to the window right away, and she stood there just breathless, looking outside at the trees and the grass and everything outside the hospital where she was. And she turned to her mother and said, Mother, why didn't you tell me? It was so beautiful. And her mother responded, I tried to, but the words just weren't good enough. You know, I believe that in heaven someday we will run around breathless. And when we see the Apostle John, who shared the words in our lesson today about what heaven is like, we'll say, why didn't you tell me it was going to be so beautiful here? And he'll say, I tried through the words of Scripture, but the words just aren't good enough. The Bible is full of pictures of what our eternal home will be like. The Bible is filled with those eternal promises, but perhaps the most wonderful verse of all says in 1 Corinthians 2.9 these words, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. We just cannot imagine it. All the things that God has prepared for we, his children, someday. There, will be, there are many things we do not know and understand about heaven. It's beyond our comprehension. Yes, that's right. But one thing we are sure of, and that is that our greatest longings will be fulfilled there. And it'll dazzle us with its beauty. It'll be greater than anything we can have ever imagined or dreamed of. It is unspoiled, and God is there right now, preparing all that is to come for his children. We do not know many things about heaven, but we do know the three things that are listed in your bulletin today that are the the topics for this short series on our eternal home, our living hope, and that is As Pastor Kurt mentioned last Sunday, there will be a new creation. All things will be changed in this world and within ourselves. We will be a new being. Today, we are reminded that there will be a new home for us. And next week, we will be talking about that someday there will be new life. New life for all of God's children. Many of you here, I know, have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, and sometimes they come and 
spend some time with you. Sandy and I have experienced that these last few years, and most of us realize that when grandchildren are going to come to your house for a few days, you need to prepare the house, first of all, that is childproof. You need to go to the grocery store and get some food, especially some things that you think your grandchildren would enjoy. And thirdly, you may pick up some other things, some games or some other things that you know your grandchildren enjoy doing when they come to your house. We want to do these things because we love our grandchildren and we want to make their visit to our homes memorable. Well, the point is, if we go through all this preparation in getting ready our home and and everything else for our grandchildren to come, just think how much God is preparing his home for his children to gather with him someday there in that eternal home. The Bible says in Matthew 7, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God is a giver of gifts, and he's got a great gift in store for us when he brings us and ushers us into our eternal home. Of course, Jesus says in John 14, verses that are used uh, quite often at funerals, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. Yes, God is preparing for that wonderful day. Our eternal home, you see, will be Eden, the Garden of Eden, restored. We have been living all these years in a broken world since Adam and Eve sinned long ago. But the day will come when that original paradise God intended us to be a part of will be restored. The new Jerusalem, as we hear about in our lesson today, is not just some place floating out in space, but it comes down to earth. Heaven will be a very real place, a meaningful place, a rewarding place where we will do work, but it will be rewarding work, joyful work, fulfilling work. This corrupted, fallen part of the world will be gone. And God will restore the world to the way that he meant it to be at the very beginning, unspoiled by human sin. In our lesson today, we heard those words that nothing impure will enter into this new place, this new city, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The scriptures talk about this new heaven and new earth. For it says the old heavens and the old earth will pass away. And then we are told of this new city coming down from heaven. You see, this is the capital of the eternal kingdom. It is the new Jerusalem. What this means is that it will not be just you and Jesus there 
in that eternal home, you will not be living alone in your mansion in the sky. That type of imagery so often is expressed. No, you will be a part of a community. When God says we will be living in a new city, that means there will be lots of people there. There is a biblical basis to suppose that that not only people, but the the best culture and history and art and music and the languages of this old earth will be redeemed and purified and carried over into this new earth that John talks about in his vision in Revelation. The cultures will come together. We'll be one. We'll understand each other, even though we are used to speaking different languages. I remember the first day we came to Haiti, our group here from Story City, back in the 90s. And, and we came to uh, World Concerns headquarters there in Lakai. And on their uh, patio area there, they were having an informal church service. And, and we came in, and they were about ready to sing. And they began singing, How Great Thou Art. But the Haitians gathered there, of course, were singing uh, in Creole, that native language there in Haiti, the words of How Great Thou Art. But we who came in started singing with them in English, of course. But you know what? Our voices were united. We were all singing for the same purpose, and it really didn't matter what words we were using. We were saying, Oh, Lord, my God, you know, how great thou art in whatever language it was. And that's the way it'll be in heaven. We'll all be there as fellow children of God, as Christians who will sing praises to God in the various languages that we know. Well, God is bringing together a people of every economic, ethnic, racial, and social background. And the Bible says God has purchased people from every tribe and language and nation. We will have a lot of soulmates, in other words, in heaven. People that we never have met. People that we think are so different from us, but really they're not. For we'll speak the same language, the language of praise. And we will love to be together and sing praises to our God. Well, as has been said, John, in his vision that we heard a little bit of in our lesson today, is trying to describe what this eternal home is is all about. But he too, of course, is limited by language and and experience. He's never seen anything like this in his, his vision, and he's trying as best he can to write down what he saw and to pass that on to future generations of Christians. He talks about walls made from gold, the foundation of the city made of jewels, and the gates made of a single pearl, a large pearl, and and other images of streets of gold and so on. We can hardly imagine a place like this. It is so rich and real that the things of greatest value here on this earth are commonplace there. It is so beautiful that he describes it with the best comparisons that he can make, that we can understand. He talks about foundations. 
Well, when we think about foundations, we think of permanence. You know, you can build a doghouse on the ground, and it'll last a few years. You can build a shed in the backyard, too, and that'll last a few years. But if you're going to build a house, you need a foundation if it's going to last 100 years like most houses do or more. You'd better have a pretty good foundation. And the foundation of these places in heaven will go deep because they will last forever, he's trying to explain. And then the Bible says that there will be thick walls. You know, in the Bible, if your city didn't have city walls, you were open to your enemy being a a target for them to come and destroy your city. So it was important to have thick walls. In heaven, the enemies of God will not be able to penetrate that eternal city. Sickness will not be able to scale those walls. There will not be heartache. We cannot tunnel under those walls. The enemy can't. For there will be no crime, no perversion, nothing to harm us, nothing to injure us, nothing to destroy us. For the walls will be thick. There will be no pestilence. And the number one enemy will not be there, and that is death itself. So John tries to give us that image by describing these thick golden walls that no enemy, no sin can penetrate. And then he says there will be gates, gates made up of pearls. Pearls are so valuable if they're true pearls. These gates will be valuable too for they will open up and allow God's children to enter in a very precious place for us to be when we walk through those gates someday. And then streets of gold. Gold is a symbol of the glory and honor and majesty of God. And so it's natural that he describes the streets being made of gold. For as we walk through the gate into this eternal city, we will praise and glorify our Lord's name. Well, there are some things we know will be in heaven, but we also know of some things there won't be in this eternal home. There will be no sanctuary. There will be no temple. You see, a sanctuary localizes and confines God, in a sense, to one location, like it did in the Old Testament with the tabernacle and in Jesus' day with the temple there in Jerusalem. You go to the temple to worship God. But in heaven, in that eternal place, God will not be confined to a place, to one location. All of heaven, all of our eternal home will be filled with his glory. Philip Yancey, in his book, Reaching for the Invisible God, tells the story of Commander Richard Byrd, who spent six months in a metal hut at the South Pole. In the Antarctic winter, the sun made no appearance during four of the six months he was in that metal shed. And Yancey writes about Bird's journal. From his experience there, he writes, I find that I crave light as a thirsting man craves water. A funeral gloom hangs in the twilight sky. 
in the journal, he tells what it's like to anticipate the coming of the sun, the return of the sun. And he writes, now it's only three weeks before the sun is due to shine again. And he wrote in his journal, I tried to imagine what it'll be like, but the conception was too vast for me to grasp. The day the sun made its appearance was simply overwhelming, he writes. Do you remember what uh, Shirley read in our lesson today? It said, this city that we're talking about, our new eternal home, does not have a sun or a moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and it's a lamp for all the people to see. God shines. He is the sun. He is the light. His radiant spreads throughout eternity. What a glorious thing that will be. There will be no shadows. There will be no night. The light will be everywhere. And all that is evil that is done at night will be vanquished. One author describes a funeral that he was at. The service was for a great Christian woman, and during the service, one of her former pastors stood up to share his gratitude for the life of this Christian woman. And, and he, he talked about how much he appreciated knowing this lady. And, and then he started talking about all uh, the people in his world uh, that he's lost. His wife, two of his children, and many of his friends are now gone to heaven. And he sort of looked up as though he was seeing something no one else could see in that sanctuary. And then he said, I now have more family and friends in heaven than I do here on earth. Heaven is looking more like home all the time. You know, Christians become homesick for a place we've never been before. Because our spirits long for a place of complete peace, a place that Jesus has promised that he's preparing for us, a place where the Prince of Peace is there who will dwell with us forever. One author said, I believe that when we enter into our eternal home, we will say, this is the land I've been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason why we love this earth, this present earth so much, is that it sometimes looks a little like this, this place that we look forward to someday. It will be a new earth, restored and redeemed, a place we were always meant to live in. And that's why at times we get homesick for what's coming that we know for sure is coming. No, the plan of salvation is that God's presence and reign will be forever there in that eternal place. So today our challenge once again is to
put our faith and our trust in these words of Scripture, these promises of our Lord's presence now and that home that he is preparing for us. Trust our Lord as our Savior so that we can be a part of that eternal reign with him in heaven. For he is our hope. He is our living hope. And as you come forward for communion today, remember that this sacrament is just a little foretaste of the great feast that we will all experience when we're around that great banquet table in heaven with Jesus at the head of the table. And we will enjoy that time of fellowship and refreshment with each other and with our Lord forever and ever. Think about the glory of that experience as you share in his body and blood today. Amen.